In the final episode of season one, I talked to Claire Grocott. Claire is a designer, an artist, a mother, and she's also my older sister. I really wanted to end the season on this episode because I really feel like Claire embodies so much of what came up in season one. Um, you know, she's come back to herself after being told she should be doing XYZ her whole life. She lives and is connected to nature and her community. She has defined her own version of success in a world where success and what being successful is can at times be a little narrow-minded. It was really cool to have this conversation with her and to listen back to it. And I really just admire who Claire is, the life she's built and yeah, who she is as a person. So sorry, Claire, you'll hate that. Um, but thank you everyone for listening to this podcast. I just started it thinking zero people would listen um, and many more have actually listened. So uh, yeah, I really appreciate it and I look forward to sharing season two with you soon. So what does it feel like? <laughs> what does it feel like to be kind of connected back and in touch with your creativity and the creative side of yourself? <laughs> <laughs> no, you have to I'm not answer, quit asking again. <laughs> Sorry. Um, okay. So I think it feels amazing because it has allowed me to be playful again and um, let go of perfectionism. So I think I've actually avoided being creative for a long time because I would want to paint something or draw something and it wouldn't look how I wanted it to. So I would, you know, leave it and think, oh, I'm crap at this and I'm not going to do it anymore. But I've kind of realised that it's just play. Like it's my way of playing and being free, um, experimenting. No one has to see what I've made it's a really awesome way to connect with the kids I think that's been a massive thing it's like if I'm if I'm drawing or painting or whatever I'm doing and I'm disappointed with what I've done because it's not perfect then they're picking up on that so learning that it's just about play and experimenting and yeah there's no right and wrong I think I can be quite rigid in my thinking and so creativity I think allows you to just let go of perfectionism and rigid thinking and it's just about trying a whole lot of different stuff and seeing what comes out of that um and it's also been really good for my self-confidence and self-esteem and just feeling like like an individual again rather than just a carer um yeah so it's great I think it's a really important thing for everyone to do and have yeah, because I think I think when women become mothers, it feels like it's so easy for the other parts of yourself to just disappear, you know, and you and the motherhood can take over. But really, there are still all of these other interests and parts of yourself that exist. Yes, a hundred percent. And I will say that's just in the early days and the early months and years, even that is just how it is. Like young children need so much and I think that's fine you just have to 
you have to remind yourself that there is life on the other side um, and not lose sight of that. And I think I probably left it too long to go and, you know, kind of create my own thing um, when the children were slightly bigger. But yes, I think I think you just lose, you do lose yourself for a couple of years and that's actually okay. It's hard, but it's okay. Yeah, maybe actually that what you just said is that it's the expectation that totally, you know, everything will be the same and you should feel the exact same way and blah, blah, blah. Totally. And I don't know why society, and then you feel like you're doing something wrong if if you're not working or you're not earning money or traveling. I remember when the kids were little feeling so, I don't know, embarrassed or something that we just didn't never went anywhere. We weren't doing any trips or anything, but it's actually so hard yes. to do those things. And I don't know why everybody has to pretend that everything will be the same because yes. it's not. Yes, exactly, exactly. And it's okay that it's different. And it's and a season. It's a, it's, it's a moment in time. Yeah, yeah, totally. And then, sorry, going, well, I really want to talk to you more about like parenthood and stuff, but going back to your graphic designer, I would say you're just like, just in general, like, an, you know, like a creative person in terms of what you do, but also the appreciation for it. But it's not something that necessarily you were not comfortable with, but like embraced earlier on, if that makes sense. Like you're, you're intellectual, you're very smart. And so it maybe was something that you squashed down. So I'm actually, yeah, just curious to hear like your experience and journey with embracing this part of yourself. I've been thinking about this a lot lately too. I think I was definitely an academic kid and that was where our parent I I don't think they did it on purpose but that was the direction that I you know you go with the stream and I went to a smart kids year five and six class I went to a selective high school and so I was an academic kid Um, and I think that's why I sort of I didn't even realize that I now looking back now I was a as a young child I was creative I think dad's got a whole lot of photos and stuff of things that I made uh, and I always, I've always loved beautiful things yeah. and design. And looking back now, I can see that. I think it was probably just kind of missed. Uh, I was naturally, you know, gifted and talented in the academic. That uh, that label is so <laughs> disgusting and damaging. Like you're smart, like you are. I was smart. smart. I was yes. Uh, I also I'm think. Not past tense, <laughs> I also think. I was I've always been very rigid and a perfectionist and scared of getting things wrong and that is the opposite of creativity. Yeah. And learning to be okay with failing or making something that is not how I want it to look or um yeah, just doing something that I'm not proud of necessarily or is not doesn't look right. I couldn't do that um a few years ago. I was too worried about being wrong and making mistakes and so I've really had to learn to let go of that and to be okay with experimenting and taking on feedback and not taking that personally and all that kind of thing so that's been a huge kind of area of growth for me I think and I've just started in the last few weeks when I see you I've just done a a collage artwork and I just sat down and I had some leftover paints and so I painted colour swatches and I just made this thing without worrying about it or thinking about it. And it was so 
satisfying and it it actually looks really good not to blow my own trumpet it's in a frame on the wall smart plus (laughs) but it's just it's you just have to move into a different mindset yeah it's the it's the opposite of perfectionism I think the, the ability to be creative and I think every child is you know this pure creative spirit and then as you grow up and you learn that you can do make mistakes or you know if there's right and wrong that I think that's one of the main reasons children lose lose their creative kind of spark and energy so yeah it's been so cool to actually rediscover that like what did it look like when you made the decision I guess like let go or try and like fight or whatever that like perfectionism and the fear of failure and stuff like was it a conscious choice do you think or do you think as you just started doing more creative stuff you were able to move through it does that make sense so when I went to college for design they teach you the the idea generation process so I always thought that people just creative people these ideas would just came to them and they would just make it and I think there are some people like that but it's really about filing things, not necessarily physically or on Pinterest or whatever, but you're always sort of filing things away and everything comes from somewhere. And so creativity is kind of a <clears throat> you're pulling together things that already exist, using techniques that other people have used, that all that kind of stuff. And it's combining all these different techniques and colours and ideas in new ways. Whereas I, so just even understanding that was kind of a big leap for me. And I also have just got more, the more, the more stuff I've made, whether it's for, you know, whether it's graphic design or painting or arty stuff, the more confident I am that the end result will be something that I'm happy with. And also the more comfortable I am if it, if it's not, I know it doesn't really matter. So, and I think it's just becoming more secure in, you you know, the idea that the, your value doesn't depend on your productivity or your output or what you're putting into the world yeah that's a huge thing yeah it's so huge it's the most yeah then just as you are is like fine and enough that's actually pretty massive isn't it that that idea I'd never thought about that I just wish I'd felt like this you know my whole life I wish I'd I wish I'd known all this stuff (laughs) and I I think it's a lot of people feel like this it's why people sometimes can work so much whatever or you know there's that external validation thing but yeah so many people just don't feel that just being them is enough actually something else that I've just realized is the more creative stuff I'm doing just for myself and for work the less uh, the less I, I feel I just I don't want to share it on social media necessarily I'm not doing it to show anyone um, so I just don't, I just haven't posted on Instagram for weeks. Um, and I probably, I will, but I just, I think getting out of that, I guess I'm not marketing my my business as much on Instagram anymore, but I'm not making anything for anyone else uh, at the moment. And I'm so comfortable with that. I feel so much happier not feeling like I need to constantly be sharing on social media. When I think about the life you've built, it feels almost like, not in a contrived way, but you've built this life that is actually about like living and like fundamental almost to who like you and Chris are and your family. Do you think that that's been like conscious or you've just kind of 
ended up initially it was all sort of circumstantial so I needed to leave Sydney for various reasons I went still you know technically in Sydney but I needed to move away from the city and I also needed to have a break from a stressful sort of industry um job in a stressful industry and just I think we moved we moved here because I really needed to heal as woo-woo as that sounds but I I needed to move away and so I left that job and you know retrained as a as a florist which also wasn't quite the right industry or job for me at that time and then I knew I needed to do design or I would regret it forever that was just I just should have done it straight out of school but it wasn't wasn't even in my my mind as an option um so I did I did that and I and I think, and I was home, I've been home with the kids for their whole lives. And I, having done, and that was sort of circumstantial as well. I always did feel like I should have been working or doing other stuff sort of from day one since Frankie was born. But I've realised that it's actually really important to be around and available and connected to them. So I think so we, yeah, we ended up in this in this sort of life because of the circumstances, but now I've realised it's actually ideal. We've got a really good, and, and we have, yes, we have made some changes. So I could have just stayed home and not retrained and not worked, but I knew that for my own sanity and to be a role model to the kids and for Chris, for our relationship, my relationship with Chris, um, it was important for me to have a bit more financial independence and just a bit of sort of equity in that way. So, yeah, we have made tweaks to sort of find the right balance. Yes. And we had a conversation, I don't know, ages ago, well, whatever, I don't know, a while ago, Um, and we were talking about nature and, like, how it is healing and, like, the importance of, like, living in nature. And I think the lifestyle you guys have is, like, the perfect balance of actually living in nature like you're in the national park yet still being connected to like the city or you know you're only an hour from the city and things like that so you've got this really good balance of both but I'm really curious like what it means for you to like be living in nature and also what it means for you when you say like nature is healing and why you think it is healing and how yeah, how that looks for you, I guess. So I think the, the living in nature for us, we're in the middle of the National Park. We've got four beaches within walking distance. It's a funny little villagey town that we're in. We've got the park across the road that's full of angophras. We drive through National Park for 20 minutes to get home. If we go anywhere, we either drive through the bush for 20 minutes or we get the ferry across a beautiful, you know, river which is just ridiculous (laughs) we're so lucky um and so I think you know it's just we are surround we are just physically surrounded by nature and that makes it really easy to have a swim before work in the morning or take the dog down to the beach or go for a bushwalk to the most spectacular cliffs you can imagine and it's just such, it's our life. It's such a big part of our life, just being in the bush and near the beach. It's our lifestyle. 
And in terms of how it's healing, I think it makes you aware that you're part of something bigger. And so in during COVID lockdowns, we were going bushwalking and a lot um, to stay sane. And the flowers were still, you know, the seasons were still the same and the birds were still doing their thing. And it's just life goes on no matter what's happening in your own life. The world keeps turning and you're just a tiny speck, you know, on this planet. So I've been doing this bushwalk out to the, the coast um, and you walk out and it just drops. Have you ever been out there with me to the balconies? Yeah. yeah. And it just drops like 200 metres or something into the ocean and the whales come past and um, I've been doing that walk a lot because the whale season's just started and I feel drawn out there it's so crazy in at the end of May and June I just feel like I need to be oh really I'm like obsessed with yeah saying hello to the whales I drive to the top of Bandina and it's like a 10 minute walk you might see other bushwalkers but there's all this other stuff going on there's you know depending on the time of year the flowers are blooming or there's heaps of bird action and all this other stuff and you just think oh I'm just like, I do not matter to anything that's going on. Like, we are not the centre of the universe. Mm-hmm. I think living in a city or, you know, in a high-density kind of area, it's very human-centric and very individualistic and everyone's rushing around. But as soon as you get away from all the other people and the buildings and the traffic and stuff, it's like, oh, it's just, it gives you perspective about sort of where we are, where we sit in the order of things. And actually the world goes on without us, probably it would be better off in some ways without us. And just the rhythms, like there's all this, because we've been here so long and I've really got to know the bush. It's like, so the flowers, start blooming sort of midwinter a lot of the Australian native flowers but you know initially I thought oh it's not spring yet that's weird but actually (laughs) we made spring up like and and the indigenous seasons are kind of completely different to what we call them we've just imported them from the northern hemisphere and it's actually not real Oh, so the whales, like, start coming. There are these plants called gymea lilies that, with the massive red flowers. When they start blooming, that's when the whales come. And oh. if, if the flowers start earlier, the whales come earlier. Oh, my God. And if they start, yeah. So it's just like, oh, we, you know. So I think it's given me perspective. Um, there's just that beautiful kind of gentle level of stimulation when you're out in nature. It's like nothing's competing for your attention. There's so much going on but you can sort of decide what to pay attention to, um, just fresh air. It's the same for kids. Like they'll, we could be at home with the TV on or they're on their devices fighting and the energy's bad and I just drag them down to the beach kicking and screaming and then five minutes later it's calm. Like everyone's nervous systems have kind of reset and, yeah, so I think it's just so important to have that access to nature even if it's just a park like I don't think I'm super lucky to have all these bushwalks and beaches and stuff really close by but I just think yeah there's something about trees and birds and 
just removing yourself a little bit from buildings um, and traffic that's really important well like for so many reasons because like that's our home like if we think like biologically right like our to be like surrounded by trees or to hear the birds or in the sand whatever like think from like a biological standpoint our bodies haven't like caught up with the fact that we live in cities now or we can live in cities so then when you're in nature yeah it's like this calmness because it's like oh I'm it's home, a reset, you know totally. like for lack of a better yeah. phrase like this is what I know and what I, I'm familiar with from like a biological standpoint and I think I'm yeah a massive massive thing is that there's nothing that nothing wants your attention like in at home there's like screens you know advertising like in cities billboards and and there's just so much kind of stimulation and yeah it's just it's just different also I just think it's it's that taking joy getting joy and delight out of little things like like the flowers or the sun on your face or feeling the wind it's yeah it's you know the best things in life are free yeah but it's it's actually true and I think it's when you it's really easy to miss those little things because you're rushing or you're looking at your phone checking emails when you're cooking whatever you know like or you live in the city and there's you know shadows there is no sun or I mean yeah even if you do live in the city there you know there are parks and you can put your feet on the grass and look up at the trees it's so sounds so cheesy but it's actually so fundamentally important I think and even little things like obviously like you know I'm like obsessed with your house and Bundina and everything but one of the big things In your house, the thing I always notice is whatever, you know, those like light refracting thingies like from the thing. But even like, and they're always on your pictures on the wall opposite the kitchen and things, the rainbow light. But even something as simple as that is like it's so beautiful. Yeah. And so simple. And when you actually like see it, like I think I only started like seeing that's in the last few years probably and when you see it you're like it's like this reminder that like oh yeah there's like beauty and good almost that sounds so lame but I I actually think it's true yeah yeah totally and I think when you're wrapped up in in stress or you know trauma or whatever you don't see that it's not important because you just need to be surviving and when you move through that and actually to help you to help move through a kind of state like that just tuning into that stuff I think can be really helpful yeah and it's like tuning into it takes you out of your mind so you're yeah it stops kind of the rumination or the whatever's going in your head and you can like just stop and yeah you actually see it um, the other, from an outsider's perspective, but the other really cool and I think unique thing about Bundina where you live is this, like, sense of community and, yeah, it just feels like that. Okay, I know it's so lame because I talk about it. No, 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 I'm just thinking <laughs> I made the mistake of looking at the Bundina community notice board on Facebook <laughs> the other day and I was like, why did I do this? Anyway, so sorry, this challenges. 
for sure. <laughs> Pros and cons. But there's also there's a real community spirit. Um, and one thing that sticks out to me of like the difference of like living in a community versus not is like a couple of months ago up the road here, a house burnt down. Like I think literally to the ground, probably five houses up, but just heard it from the neighbour, don't know who lives there, don't know if, you know, they still live there, blah, 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 blah. When that happened, I remember a story you told of someone's house burning down and even though you didn't know the person, everyone kind of came together and was donating money but then also like um, clothes and and that's something that stuck out to me. But I'm curious like what community and like living in a community almost like look and feel looks and feels like like community I think is something that people talk a lot about and you know aware are aware that maybe there's this gap but yeah I'm what does that like mean and look like to you living in this kind of like almost close-knit community so I think there's sort of two so there's the Bandina and Mainbar community which is about I think there's about 3,000 people and that's that looks like, like you said, if someone experiences a, a tragedy, the whole community will pull together and support them. There are some really cool community events like the Art of Living Festival every year, which is really fun. And so there is that people feel connected, even people that you have never met before, you're connected to them because you live in this special place. But I think I've sort of found a community within the um, the larger kind of local community which is with I think they're all other mothers um, or you know families and I mean that's just a whole that is next level kind of support because we yeah we are we all provide so much support to each other and get so much support from each other so with childcare and you know cook if someone's sick or someone's going through you know a, a family member's ill or something we all cook for each other. We do meal drop-offs. There's just constant checking in um, and that is so special and that's something I never, I never even really, I never thought I would have it and I think it's something that until pretty recently, like the last couple of hundred years or something, it's just how people lived and I actually don't know how people do it without that support. It's also nice, you know, sort of on a, just on a, on a more surface level, taking the dog for a walk and you say hello to every single person. It's just, you're just connected. Even if it's just a hello, you are recognising that the other person is a person and everybody, if you walk past someone in Bandina, you'll smile and say hello. If you know them, you'll have a little chat. It's so nice. It's so, so, that is so nice. And yeah, I think dad's been for a couple of walks up to the shops with us before. And he's just like, you know, everybody. And I actually don't, but you just you just say hello to everybody. And it's just that little moment of connection, I guess. Yeah. And the incidental stuff, like you said. Again, I remember you, you've said before, maybe over the summer holidays or something, you just go down to the beach and there's... Oh, yes. Yeah. There. So yeah. it mitigates, and you still do this, but... It, it's not like the social connection then comes from planning all the time. It's just, it happens and you're all kind of like part of this, of just living, you know, but then it's happening along the way, which I think is really beautiful. 
it makes me so happy now the kids just can walk to their friends' houses and then I'll be, you know, they'll take themselves off to a friend's house and then an hour later they'll all show up here and they can just move freely and they have that independence. And I do think we don't have any busy roads or anything like that. It's kind of a small town and it feels safe for them to do that. So that helps a lot, I think, with that kind of stuff. We've spoken about how, like, it's really hard or there are barriers almost being your own, as a woman, I only very, and this is all quite a big generalisation, it's being like a woman and a mother while still having a career and like being your own person and nurturing that side of yourself. It's really hard to do that in, I guess, this day and age. I guess what's been your experience with that? What do you, what does it look like to be able to have more of that balance across family being a priority, but also yourself being a priority? I think it sounds like a total cliche, but the whole putting your oxygen mask on before helping the kids kind of thing. If you are not filled up and doing the things you love doing, you're not going to bring your best self to your children. And I th- I remember when my when the kids were tiny, I was so depleted, you know, I I had nothing and I don't think I was my best, you know, I wasn't, I was exhausted and I was also really bored um, because it's just not very interesting, (laughs) like pushing a kid on a swing for four hours and then going home and doing dishes and like dealing with tantrums. Like it's, yes, it's beautiful in its way, but it's not interesting. (laughs) And it's, I think I really... It's really important for me. I, and also, I'm, this is, I think some people love that and love being in the trenches. It's really important. So two things for me, I think, is solitude. I need peace and quiet. I need time by myself. And I didn't get that for years. And I also need to be challenged mentally. I think I need to be learning or my brain needs to be working. And that's another thing that just, it doesn't. Well, I think everybody does. <laughs> I'm so smart. (laughs) But I think without those things, I wasn't, you know, I was not happy not be I can't remember what your question was now um oh just the balance or like yeah so kind of like being a parent the parent you want to be whatever that looks like for you but then also prioritizing like yourself and your career and you know the things that like nourish you as a person yes okay sorry oh my god I'm on a total tangent so yes I do think you need to take care of yourself. It's not good for your children. I've just listened to a Glennon Doyle podcast, which we need to speak about yesterday. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. But I think, I always think, would I want Frankie to be completely, if she has children one day, would I want her to neglect herself and disappear in child rearing? No, like she's a human and she even when she has children, she'll still be a super smart, creative, you know, vibrant, human yes and she needs to be that person and I want to show that to her I want to show and Theo show them both that it's like a self-respect thing too two things I think it's like we sort of spoke about it before but it's that acknowledgement that there are different parts of ourselves and being a parent is just one and it's also the acknowledgement that depending on where you're at sometimes that self might be work it might be doing a course if the kids are young and going back to work doesn't make sense or whatever you know like but it can look many different ways depending on where you're at 
But I've really, yeah, it's also just that acknowledgement of like where there's so many different parts of us. And it's also about them, you know, your children, of course you want to give them everything and be the best parent that you possibly can. But that definitely doesn't mean giving them everything they want and being there 100% of the time. I think for resilience and just, you know, not raising narcissists, they, they're actually not the centre of the universe. They're the centre of your universe for a little while, but it's not good for children to have a slave. They're not built for attention 24-7, not necessarily to refer to like, oh, when we were cave people, because obviously we're not anymore, but I think biologically we may be necessary, you know, we're still somewhat wired the same way in many respects but back in the day kids were just cruising around with their parents strapped to the back you know they weren't sat down getting attention 24 hours a day yeah and there's a whole lot of research and stuff about how constantly giving them stimulus and things to do and this is what we're doing now now we're going to read a book now we're going to play with this now we're going to do this they that's taking away their opportunity to be creative and they need to be I don't think I'm that good at this actually I'm getting better but they need to be bored sometimes so they can come up with their own ideas and their own stuff to do I remember we just you just got left to your own devices and came up with games and stuff and prescribing okay it's it's time to read a book or what also it's just so draining you just can't also I guess I've never thought about this but by constantly entertaining them you're teaching them that they always need to be doing something yeah and they can't actually then just be it's like you know if a kid's sitting and look around and I'm guilty of this I realize I do it and I'm like now conscious of it so I really stop but I'm like Bandy's just sitting I'm like oh do you want this it's like, no. No, just oh my it. gosh she's cool she's like really? when she's and when she's doing that she's in her most pure kind of she's just being and she's just feeling the sun on her face or listening to the birds outside or whatever it is she doesn't need that stimulation kids are so good at just being which like we were saying before it's like really hard for adults to do I'm scared she's going to wake up soon so I want to ask this question just in case (laughs) scared she's going to wake up but so as a parent, as someone who I think as a parent has actually not changed but worked on your own stuff as you're being a, being a parent, what is the biggest thing you've taken from parenthood and how do you think, what lessons have you learned, I guess, during it? What strength has have you taken from being a parent? Well, that's such a good question. I think I've learned that other you don't have to do what everyone else is doing. I think just because, you know, your children see everything you do and they're learning lessons from what you do. And I I think what it I think what it is is what's probably what success means to me actually is not what we're taught that success is a successful life is again the Glennon Doyle podcast the, do you listen no, to I it I didn't realize she had a podcast it's called we can do Hard oh, Things. oh yes yeah, yeah but... somebody you know a listener called in and said they're measuring she's measuring her success by the number of naps she has a week and it's just so I think I've learned that I really felt when I first had my first baby that I should be working I should have an awesome career and be earning heaps of money and, you know, I was a smart kid, so I really should have this amazing job. And I don't feel like that at all anymore. I feel like I want to work 
and earn a bit of money, you know, for financial independence and stability, but really mostly to be growing, you know, learning and growing as a person and growing my skills and things like that. And for me, I think having the kids has taught me that it's that success for me is balance and growth. And what was the other part of your question? Um, I can't remember. Was it something about like, I can't actually remember. It was something, I think what I was thinking about was like, people talk about parenthood, which I just literally did as being like really hard and challenging. Really hard. Yeah. yeah, But almost flipping that to like what you gain from it. So I was thinking like maybe for me, I don't know, you know, you realise like your strengths or whatever it is amongst the hardness of it. So like almost like flipping, yeah, what have you gained from parenthood either just like from a life point of view but also like what you've realised about yourself and your own strengths, I guess. I think it. another thing it does is give you perspective um, so you can do you can do everything right and think so I guess it's perspective and sort of perspective about what's important that's one thing and priority you know priorities and just kind of going with the flow Fle- like being flexible and kids it's sort of oh god it's that buddhist it's like you can't control everything kids will like you can do everything right and they'll break their arm or you know, drop a bowl. Oh my God, Frankie, the other day was lying on the day bed outside holding a rock, like a, a big rock above her head. And I was looking at her thinking, that's a bad idea. But like, you're constantly telling them, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. And nothing ever happens. Of course, she dropped it on her head. And it's like, that. I mean, anything can happen and you just have to roll with it. She was fine. So, yes. Oh my god, I'm failing. No, I can't ever remember. I think what you said about like what success looks like for you is like a big thing as well because it's so easy to just do and think you want X, Y, Z and blah, blah, blah. But actually thinking and then based on what it looks and feels like making decisions to kind of build a successful life, whatever that may be. You know, for some people it might be, you know, living in a van or being a CEO or whatever like it looks so different sorry based on the person but actually like yeah considering that is considering what that looks like is and also being okay with not having it straight away so you know like you knew you wanted to do something for yourself and try different things I mean same for me I've tried but also being okay with trying different things and knowing that it'll eventually lead to something. I think, I do think if I had listened to my little inner voice years earlier, I probably would have ended up sort of where I wanted to be sooner. It doesn't matter um, because I guess I learned, you know, a lot on the way, but I think I was just out of touch with that sort of intuition. Yeah, so I think listening to your intuition is important it's interesting that intuition things I've done I've recorded maybe three podcasts and that intuition thing has come up a lot and why I'm curious like why it's so hard in general to listen to that just for yourself maybe but also generally and how we would be if we were more connected to 
our intuition? I don't think I listened when I was younger because it contradicted what I had been told who I was. I wasn't I wasn't an arty kid or it wasn't that I was told that I it wasn't that I was told that I wasn't those things. It was that I was told I was something else and I thought they were too mutually exclusive things. So it just it wasn't in line with what other people were telling me that I was. It's not that I thought I was this academic kid. I didn't know who I was, but I was just listening to other people. And, you know, the fact that I got into this school for smart kids and the class for smart kids. So it's not just individuals telling you, it's the world pushing you in this direction. And I think if everybody was more in tune with their intuition, oh, this is like, I hate these kind of cheesy words, but if everyone was living more authentically, I guess it doesn't suit, you know, our capitalist society for people to be tuning into that and not just prioritising earning, earning as much money as possible. But I think everyone would just be more connected, just more um, content and not, you know, st- striving for more money and more stuff and if you're just happy in yourself and living authentically, is there a better word? Is there a less cheesy word? You, you know what I mean. Um, I think it would the world would just be a more peaceful place. And, it's you know, it's not an option for everybody, I guess, especially with work and stuff like that. But a lot of people are pretty out of touch with, and I'm, I'm not saying that I'm amazingly in touch, but when I did listen to that voice one time, it's completely changed my life and I would also say like yeah the more you do it this the more comfortable one becomes the more you recognize it well I guess you're getting that positive reinforcement like oh I did what my you know subconscious was telling me and now I feel like this and so yeah and you do tune into it more it's so true when you tune into it I'm gonna butcher this because I don't know how to describe it but like say you say having this career change, going into design, doing the course, freelancing, like you always, there was a knowing, or this is the sense I got, there was a knowing that it would all work out. And so, and it's almost like because you just knew it's what you should be doing. There wasn't this trying to control, I need, I'm going to get this job or I need this job and la, 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 because you weren't trying to control it because you knew with all going to kind of. Um, and I think that's actually something amazing you do with Frankie and Theo is let them be themselves and build that sense of self and tuning into themselves. But that is like a, an important part of, I don't know, you know, building that next generation. And I think with that it's about, it's it's it is really hard to look at this objectively, but you will always think your child is a certain way or a certain person, and every now and again you just have to stop and think: Am I? What am I projecting onto this kid? What am I telling this kid that about who they are? And just paying close attention to, yeah, who they really are, and not who you want them to be or think they are. And I'll be so proud of them, both of them, if they just follow their hearts and 
live really live lives that are really true to who they are.